of the living geek. Moshi Moshi, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Super Sugoi Cast. I'm Justin. And I'm Alex. Episode 26. Yeah, 26. We finished the second half of Yokai Watch episodes 7 through 12. Netflix only has 26 episodes available, but there are actually 126 episodes total. I wonder why Netflix doesn't have the rest of it. I don't know. I guess it's just. You know, when you look at Netflix shows and they have a season of something, it's usually mm-hmm. only about 20 episodes or so. Huh. So maybe they're just testing it out before yeah, they bring it, on the rest. It grows. I mean, that makes sense. But at the same time, you would figure, why not just throw it all on there? It's Netflix. When they get a season of something, it's just all there. Maybe it's expensive. It's weird that only Netflix has it and no other animation company around here that we could watch it on would have the episodes for us to watch. That's very true. Now, I don't understand that. I'm guessing because maybe that's just they're testing the North American thing. Well, also, actually, like I mentioned in the last episode, Disney XD has it. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why. Maybe Disney has licensing with Netflix. And they're doing season by season on there. Yeah. We have Disney movies on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and I don't think there are Disney movies on Hulu. No. So that actually... That would make sense. As we mentioned last episode, this anime was suggested to us by Twitter user at Omondeos. And the plot follows middle schooler Nate, who gets a yokai watch that helps him identify and befriend all of the yokai that are causing mischief in the world. Yeah. Or in Japan. Or in wherever this takes place. uh, I think it is in Japan for the most part. Yeah, it should be, but since it's in the American English version, Mm -hmm. I I don't know where it's supposed to take place. So we left off with no real story being present. They're very minimal. It's like this is a show where you can watch episode one and then episode like 16 and you'd still kind of have an idea of what's happening. As long as you see that first episode and Mm -hmm. understand how things came to be, that's all you need. Exactly. So at that point, we had met about 13 yokai. No idea how many actually exist, but I feel like we've met a lot more in these last six episodes. I don't know. I think more so we've had a lot of recurring. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Pokemon. We've had a lot of recurring yokai, so I don't feel like we've met all that many. All right, so in 12 episodes, in theory, we've met about one to two actual new yokai per episode. Part of the characters we've met, they're like two brothers from the country, Komosan and Komijiro, and it's like... We get a lot of part of the episodes just focusing on them exploring the city because they're from the country. Probably the last five episodes of the six is probably a good five to six minute clip of just them. We've also had a lot more Mangimut. Yeah, every so, episode. It's yeah. almost him getting arrested. Well, the thing is, like, I get having recurring characters, but mm-hmm. why Mangimut? Why him? Uh, right? Like, he's not that cool of a dude. No. And I don't know. Like, you could focus on other maybe, yokai. Maybe, like, it's a way of trying to teach kids in the Japanese sense to not be pervy. <laughs> kids, this is what you could be like if you don't not, yeah. not be a perv. Like, and you'll get arrested. Exactly, because he's super pervy. <laughs> yeah, he really is. So, yeah, a lot of reoccurring characters for sure. The only real story that happened mm-hmm. in the previous six episodes was that... Jibanyan moved in with Nate. Which is weird because it's not like Jibanyan's useful by any means. He no. got kicked out of his, He's his really lazy. home under the bridge. And so he was just like took shelter at Nate's house. And Nate was like, I guess just follow my rules. And yeah, he didn't. 
And that's not the only yokai that Nate's taken in. Besides Whisper and now Jibanyan, there's also a third one who you don't really see all the time. Yeah, it's her name. Her name was oh, Haidabat. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Haidabat, exactly. She inspirited Jibanyan mm-hmm. for an episode, and then they got rid of her, and she decided to live in the closet yeah, cause with Jibanyan. <laughs> her whole thing was like loneliness, I guess, and yeah. made people not want to do anything. It was kind of like a weird like depression bat. We've also met two versions of Jibanyan, yep. Robonyan and Shogonyan. Oh, Shogun, yeah, Shogu, right. Shogunyan. If you think about it, I didn't think of it until now. You got mm. one from the future, which is a robot, mm-hmm. or like a cyborg Jibanyan, and then you got the samurai version of him from the past. Yeah. So it's like you're seeing his heritage. And again, why Jibanyan? I don't know. <laughs> and there's, okay, so here's also the other thing. So Jibanyan's just a regular yokai, and you get a regular token. His Roboyan, same thing. It's from the future, and he's super high tech, but he's just a regular metal. Shogunyan is a legendary. Like yeah, once you got so coin. many coins, it formed to make a legendary yokai. Yeah, which was weird. It was like, weird. Uh, the way that that worked was mm-hmm. kind of strange. The, the one thing that's really started to stand out about the show as it's gone along is each of these medals. Like it didn't catch on at first. Each one has a different like classification. Like there's, yeah, there's charming. There's tough. there's tough. There's energy. I don't know. Like there's energy. Just, <laughs> I don't remember all of them off the top either. of my head, but. There's a lot more of them. Mystic, I think. Mist- yeah, something one? like that. Something like yeah, that, yeah. But it's neat, but you haven't seen why those are all like that. Right. We actually don't know a lot about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, go- is still going on the coins. Like, why do the yokai give the coins to him? That's supposed to be because he makes friends with them, yeah, right? Yeah, he solves their issue. But the thing is, it's like they'll inspirit somebody and he gets upset and then he sends somebody to fight them and then they'll be like, okay, here's my coin. So it's like, yeah. they're not friends. What? It's not just necessarily that he gets them for them being friends. He gets them because he won the battle. Which is also strange because if they're supposed to be friends, every time he summons someone, he mm-hmm. goes, hey, Jibanyan, make that guy stop. And Basically. it's like, that's not a friendly thing to do either. No, it's you not. Know? Like, for instance, what was the name of that lizard one? Um, Rubble something? I don't know. Riff, Riff no, Raff. Something like that. It was close to Riff Raff. Yeah, but like the episode is Riff Raff's like this like temperamental, like makes you kind of lash out and become a bad person. And he has Mangemut fight him. And Mangemut wins that fight and like Nate gets the coin. But it's just like, why? That shouldn't be how it is. You're supposed to... Yeah, they're not friends. You're supposed to what? appease to these yokai and show them that they should be your friend and that they should be helping everybody else. And right. it's not really like that. And then it, I thought it was kind of funny because we were talking about how Nate just seems to summon random yokai all the time. And it's like... He really does. Yeah, it's like there's there's a specific issue happening and he just kind of randomly, I'll bring out Robonyan. This, so this is my point. Like, it doesn't explain to you that each coin has a different purpose. Right. You kind of just understand that the yokais have different purposes. But this kid's in middle school. He should have the understanding like, okay, this guy does this, should counteract this, so yeah. summon this one. But it was funny because we were just talking about it, mm-hmm. and then like the next episode, Whisper, his butler, he was like, Nate, it doesn't seem like you're putting any thought into these summons. <laughs> no, we were just sort of laughing because it was like, that's what he does too. <laughs> It's ridiculous. And he puts the dang coins in the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. that Well, that whole thing is stupid, too. Yokai, metal, do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. That's like, whole your battle things. cry. You know, it was kind of funny when we met the, the elephant yokai yeah. that makes everybody have to, like, go pee. His name wasn't elephant. It was, um... Yeah, it was elephant. Fidgifont. Fidgifont. That's yeah. right. That's right. But it was just like... 
he summoned like six different yokai to try to like yeah. battle this thing and it's like he did it in front of everybody because everybody was in the hallway trying to go pee and it was like no one notices this kid like spitting around with like Talking bright rainbow lights and, and he's yelling do your thing like yeah what the hell it's a fun show but it's also like you could you can tell it's got yeah. some work yeah like it's probably because the game or the anime started off as a game mm-hmm. so they had a lot of holes to fill when they turned it really into an anime from then no yeah. word should go with it right yeah so they're just kind of like well let's just do this and it again, doesn't matter in english when things are dubbed it does tend to kind of be acted out more kiddish and that is a huge problem because i'm sure a lot of the mannerisms and the way they talk in the japanese yeah. version of this anime is more adultish instead of when you have an anime um, an american dubbed one they always talk childish it's, yeah it's ridiculous they really do i don't understand it's, like the it, voice actors don't know what their who their audience i don't is. think it's the voice actors i think it's the directors because like they're well, having them dub it and yeah. it's like well it's a cartoon even though it's a japanese anime talk childish because yeah. you know that's gonna, it's gonna be targeting the one thing i wanted to hit on in this again is the intro for the first six episodes was terrible yeah, it was. And then we got into the next six, and all of a sudden, I think, like, episode seven or eight, we got a new intro. Yeah. And it was still bad, but it, it was, wasn't as bad. But it was bad. different, so yeah. we were like, oh, okay, this is, this is better. Okay. Yeah. It made more sense. <laughs> it had a little bit more flow to it. But, but then, then... It was gone the next episode. Yeah, and we were like, what happened? Why? This is ridiculous. <laughs> they went back to the old intro, and yeah. we were like, okay, you know, I guess that didn't work. It doesn't, and it, I, don't, I don't know. But, I mean, like I said before, I don't mind the show. It's kind of fun. I wish it was creepier, kind of like how the original part of the intro starts. Before it breaks into its stupid song, it has, like, this whole, like, eerie explanation of what yokai and how they, like, mess with people and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, if the show was really like this, I I bet it'd be a lot more entertaining. Yeah, because it would be a little bit more serious, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know what the right word is, but it would just be more interesting, I think. Twitter user at Omendeos, when he gave us the suggestion, he sent us a message later and asked if we had experienced any feels, because his favorite episode is the Hungramps story, and he likes how the show sometimes doesn't seem like a kid's show. And I I can agree with that, because that's the one episode that didn't seem Mm -hmm. to focus on mainly childs. It was real. It was like, this happens. Grandparents get forgotten by kids, even though kids love their grandparents, and it's just like... That one, yeah. A little bit of feels, but at the same time, also, 10 minutes of an episode. it's a big difference, too, because he's watching it in Japanese, mm-hmm. and we're watching it in English. Yeah. So I'm sure if we watched it in Japanese, it would be a lot more emotional. If we were to ever find this in Japanese, I think I would give it more of a chance and continue to watch it. Mm-hmm. But being dubbed, I don't see myself putting it on again. Who is your favorite yokai? Probably Shogun Yan. Just because of the way he looked. Oh, really? I love Samurais, and I think he looked pretty cool. I still like Illu, because mm-hmm. he's a big, cool, mystical owl. <laughs> you do like owls, so I do. it works out. <laughs> Are you going to keep watching it? Yeah, probably, just so I could do a blog on it. If it, if I had to watch, like, all hundred and whatever episodes, probably mm-hmm. not. But since not it's in only... English, anyway. Yeah. But since it's <laughs> only 26, yeah, I'll finish it up and see if there's any actual story that happens, or if there's anything big that happens, because I feel like... We haven't met a lot of the yokai, and yet they keep having specific ones show up over, over and over and over, and over, over again. Over and over, and it's like, is it ever going to make progress? Right. Exactly. Well, since we're talking about a Japanese anime that was dubbed in English, we kind of kept with that theme in a sense, and we started watching another anime that's on Netflix, Voltron Legendary Defender. We watched episodes one through six out of 13, 
It's only available on Netflix because it was produced by Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Yep, it's on Netflix, and it's actually produced by Dreamcast. Dreamcast? I'm sorry, by DreamWorks. Netflix seems to do pretty good with shows. Yeah, I agree with that completely. All of their shows that they produce themselves are all very, very good. Yeah, so the plot follows five space pilots who are chosen to be paladins of Voltron and fight against the evil Galra Empire. As we mentioned already, this is an American animated series. Um, It premiered on June 10th, and there was a lot of hype for it because everybody remembers Voltron. I I loved that cartoon as a kid. Right, I did too. I used to have all the toys. Not Mm -hmm. all of them, but I had a lot of them. This series is actually a reboot of the 1984 series, Voltron Defender of the Universe, which is really neat Mm -hmm. because that's the one that everybody loved, you know? So they decided to redo it for the modern generation. It definitely looks better i would say because like obviously animation is going to grow and evolve into looking cleaner and flowing better and you can definitely tell like in my mind i see the old voltron and i can remember seeing like kind of duller colors yeah versus now it's a lot brighter they ended up actually bringing in a couple of at least in my opinion well-known actors to kind of support at least the hopefully the only the first season but if not i hope second and third seasons they can keep going that far one of the main characters, Keith, is voiced by Steven Yun from The Walking Dead. And a recurring character who's in two episodes, Rolo, who's voiced by Norman Reedus. And we actually discussed Norman Reedus last episode because of him being in the Hideo Kojima game. And they're both from The Walking Dead. Yes. So that's kind of a fun coincidence. Yeah, it is actually. But I mean, there's probably some more other well-known actors on there, but those are the two that stood out to me the most. I actually didn't recognize Norman Reedus or Stephen I know, and that Yen, surprised me, so, to be honest. Well, I mean... I, you, you super like Norman Reedus' character in Walking Dead, so I thought you would have really heard his voice, because that's what you're no, good at. Yeah, but not this time. Hmm. I don't know. So, we have a big company, a couple of big actors, and Netflix running this show. I think it's something that's going to stick around for a long time. With all of the popularity that it got, I mean, it's only been out since June 10th, Mm -hmm. and like a lot of people have watched it. So I think it has a really good chance of getting more stuff, but the big question what people may be thinking Mm -hmm. is, okay, we're talking about Netflix, we're talking about American stuff, American companies, blah, 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 American Mm -hmm. actors. This is not Japanese, so why are we talking about it? When it was released on Netflix, it wasn't even released to Japan. When it was released worldwide, it was almost everywhere except Japan. So again, we're a Japanese podcast. Why are Why we discussing are we talking... American One? Oh, well, we'll tell you. There's mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. So as we mentioned, there was a 1984 series that this was based on. Mm-hmm. That original series was made by partnering with Toei Animation. You may know them as the company that made or that helped create One Piece, Sailor Moon, and Dragon Ball. Well, that's just one of the reasons. Another one of the big reasons is that the Voltron franchise was adapted from a Japanese series called Beast King Go Lion. See, that's really cool. So they pulled it from a Japanese series. They had a Japanese company help animate the older one, but it wasn't like they just stole a Japanese already made anime and just dubbed it. Well, no, they did. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's funny. So I the- thought it was they just pulled from like a manga or they pulled from that anime and created something a little different. Nope. So the animation from Beast King Go Lion was edited and retrimmed to create 
the Voltron series in 1984. Interesting. I and wonder they what had they new cut. characters and new voices, and they changed the plot lines a little bit. Hmm. And they were just like, let's take this show and turn it into an American show that we think Americans would want to watch. Interesting. So the reason why we chose Voltron is because our Facebook fan, Andrew, at Jolly Andy, entered our birthday contest and gave us a question to think about, which mm-hmm. was, if anime made outside of Japan can really be considered anime. That's tough because off the top of my head, I can't think of any specific animations that are American except for Voltron. Well, there's also Avatar, The Last Airbender. If, if we're just focusing on Voltron itself versus, say, like One Piece or other Japanese animations we've watched, I can see a clear difference. I can too. Like, you can tell that in Voltron they used a lot of influence from anime. They mm-hmm. have a lot of the same um, character design elements mm-hmm. and they use a lot of the same expressions and a lot of the same big tweaks in um, movement and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the big difference lies in the storyline mm-hmm. and the pacing of the story and all the backgrounds of the characters and just how much it draws you in it's not as in depth that's for sure right and it's not i'm not saying that american animation is bad because it's no, not it's not it's really not and this show is amazing it's i really love good. watching I this like, show yeah, i really enjoy it it's just i can't consider it anime if i was watching this the first episode i'm like oh yeah, this is an anime. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't consider this anime either, by any means. Like, there's only one scene out of this whole time that, to me, looked Japanese anime. And it was, like, a weird, like, black and white scene where it was, like, this guy was getting, like, torn across space, in a sense. And, like, the way it was drawn looked like it was taken straight out of a manga. Yeah, that part was really cool. It, they gave him, like, speed lines, mm-hmm. and they made the thicknesses of all the lines at different weights and stuff like that. And it was really cool to see visually. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And to me, that was probably the only thing that made this even relatively close to Japanese anime. Otherwise, right. I can definitely see a huge difference. And again, to me, being in English it has a whole entire, like, different feel to it as well. Although the voice acting for this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because they targeted this show for older teens mm-hmm. as opposed to children. Yes. But even then, you know, they, they still, I feel like they did a good job and a lot of it's natural and mm-hmm. funny. It and probably helps that this was drafted and made for English versus taking it from Japanese and then trying to dub over pre-made animation so it's not so forced. Right, and that makes a huge difference. Oh, big time. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, since DreamWorks is behind it, I'm sure they had a lot of influence on how it should be ran, and they're really good at making animated movies. That's true, so, yeah. So I love the show, and I want to keep watching it. I really hope they come up with more seasons, but could this be considered anime? No. No, I don't think so either. But it's American a good anime try. Is, it's a cartoon. Yeah, it's just, it's an animation. It's more adult cartoon in terms of being drawn that way. Exactly. Like, if the companies themselves are mm-hmm. trying to market this as anime, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. No. I can, can at least consider this a step in the right direction for American anime. I'll agree with that. I, I think it is a step in the right direction. But we should move on to the actual plot. Okay. So we met the five paladins yes. as they were in space school, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Three. There's only three who were in space school. Yeah, you're right. And they suck at being space pilots. Well, they suck as a team. <laughs> yeah. That's been the biggest thing in this show so far is teamwork. They're awful at it. Yeah, they really are. They end up crashing in their simulator mm-hmm. and they just don't... Like, they get along, but they don't mesh, you they're, could say. They're friends, but yeah, they definitely don't mesh. They don't have a clear leader. You, you hear mentions of Keith, who was a pilot who was expelled, and which is why, I think his name's Lance, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of ends up being the current leader of the team now. 
But then there's an alien spaceship that crashes, and on that is a guy named Shiro, who is an older guy who was on an exploration mission who got captured by the Galara Empire, and it seems like he was tortured and put into a fighting ring. Yeah. Well, Keith ends up trying to go save him along with the other three, and this is how they end up forming a team of five. They ended up running away from the like airspace base that had gone to like capture the alien ship. And when they freed Chiro, they all went back to, like, I think Keith's place. Yeah, and, and they were started, hiding there. He starts explaining this weird energy thing that was going on. And then Lance started having, like, visions of the blue lion. And then they ended up finding it, mm-hmm. like, in this cave underneath. And it spoke to Lance. Yeah, because he has a connection with it. Right, so it let him get in, and then they piloted it out to space. And then they ended up landing on this other planet. Yeah. And they met the princess of Altea. Mm-hmm. And... They she was in like hypersleep or something for a really long time. Yep, her and like I don't know if it's like a servant or I think he's like their their old commander. But he's the funniest character in the show. He is and he's Australian, I believe. Yeah. He has an Australian accent. He's hilarious. Yeah, I actually I really enjoy his scenes. He's very funny. He, okay, so that's where we're talking about like the animation kind of getting on like the Japanese level. He's an example of it. The way he like moves around and the way it's influenced and yeah. acted and voiced. To me that feels Japanese. Yeah. They get there, wake those two up from the hypersleep, and they ended up finding out that they had the blue lion. Mm-hmm. And they basically were like, well, you guys are going to be our five paladins, then. You have to go find the other four lions. Exactly. And then they all become pilots, and yep. they end up having to start training themselves and become a team. And they don't know how to form Voltron. Mm-hmm. Voltron, if you don't know who Voltron is, like if you're not familiar, it's a giant robot, kind of like the Power Rangers. Yes. You know, like all the other, the pilots take their stuff and they form a giant robot yeah it's it's five battle cats basically which are huge yeah a couple of them are more beefy a couple of them are more lean and there's like the leader who's like the chest head two of lions become legs two becomes arms and then so it's pretty cool and then they become like this super powerful defender and or weapon depending on whose hands it's in and it's the most powerful thing in the entire universe and the galra empire really wants it mm-hmm. and because they're trying to take over everything it's really interesting because the characters that we've seen so far from the Galra Empire are really neatly mm-hmm. designed. Like, they are. There's these bat-looking kind of characters, yep. and then the druids are really cool because they've just got this really neat face paint on mm-hmm. them. And they, they look know. like night elves, kind of, for the yeah. druids. Yeah. And I don't know what the main character is, the main Galra leader, because they haven't explained what he is, but he's neat looking. He's definitely alien for sure. Well, yeah. The Galra Empire harvests planets for their, like, energy in a sense. So, like, that's what they've been going around doing. They've been colonizing places and stealing their energy and their people for labor for other planets. And that's why they want Voltron. Because if they have Voltron, then they'll be able to do that so much easier and faster. And have no worries about anybody stopping them. The thing is, this guy has been around for like 10,000 years. Yeah. Because when they originally lost the lions in like the original battle, it was from 10,000 years ago. And it was the same guy then as it is now, which is crazy to think that he's lived this long. And even um, the princess was like, how is he still here? Zarkon is his name. Yeah, Zarkon. So I'm sure we'll find out about mm-hmm. that. Probably something to do with the energy or the druids. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure we'll we'll get more story on that. And then they end up having to fight small waves of his, his Little uh, lieutenants lackeys. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think that was the last episode we left on was these two people um, attempting to steal a lion for the Galar Empire. Even though they don't like the Galar Empire, they did it because of the potential bounty. One of those characters was Norman Reedus. Yep. Well, not him, but his voice. His voice acting, yeah. yeah. They kind of actually set you up to 
feel for these two characters. They and, do. Because, like, they steal it, and they get caught by the other four paladins and their lions, and they take the lion back, and they leave their ship on the thing, and they're like, hey, we understand that you did this for these reasons, but we're not going to fix your ship anymore, so good luck. But right at this point, too, the Galra lieutenant that they had reported to... Sendok. Sendok was his name. Yeah. They're like, we're going to send some people your way to make sure you get here. They're going to get there and find out that these people don't have a blue lion anymore. They're kind of screwed because yeah. they'd already done some things to the Gara Empire that was not good. And they're trying to do this to clear their names. So we'll see how it goes when we get back into episodes seven and on. I really, really enjoy the animation, though. Like, there have been some really cool fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And I wish that more shows would have this kind of animation technique and stuff to it because it's really, really pretty to watch. It is. And, like, the movements are so fluid, and it's just, I don't know, just the way that it's done is really good, you know? It is. That's, that's just all I can say about it. I, I enjoy it. This isn't the only anime that Netflix is trying to own and do on their own. They have like a, a multi-year contract with DreamWorks to do other animations. And one of the ones I look forward to is known as Troll Hunters. And they're going to be working with Yamo del Toro as well for its Ooh, animations. Ooh, that's going to be cool. Exactly. Him and his crazy characters. I can only imagine what's yeah. going to come out of that. And I can't wait to see like a preview something for when it comes out. Yeah, that's going to be great. Did you notice, was it just they're going to make animes or they're going to make more animated series? From what I remember reading the article, it's more anime based. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. We'll see what happens because they do have their own series that are pure anime, but they're, um, those ones are all CG from what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. So. To kind of keep continuing on the anime theme so far for this episode, we didn't watch this one, but it was a neat article that I read. So it's an anime called A Silent Voice. And it's an anime about a bullied deaf girl. And it's going to be shown in Japanese theaters. Depending on how it does, they'll expand how long it's going to be in theaters and the theaters it goes to. It is based on a manga, though. Mm -hmm. But the reason why this is unique and why we decided to bring it up as a topic is because it's one of the only stories where the main character is deaf. Yes. So it's really different. It's very unique because, I mean, this is one of the few... And I mean very few animes that's going to have Japanese subtitles for the deaf people who want to watch it. A lot of Japanese animes do not have closed captions. They don't even have closed captions on anime DVDs and Mm Blu-rays. I had no idea about that until I was looking into this. And that's pretty crazy for me. Like, if you're deaf, you're not included in a big part of the culture. Because you can't hear it or read it or understand what's happening. So it's like... Maybe it has taken some years... But they're like, so here's us trying to like show everybody, hey, these can still be great with the closed captions. Let's try to put more of this into animes for people who can't hear. Hopefully they do, Mm -hmm. because being such a progressive type of culture, Mm -hmm. you would think that they would want to include everybody in it. Yes, and I hope there's some way that we can end up watching it ourselves on some website. Maybe they'll put it on Crunchyroll, or maybe Netflix will grab it. Right. And hopefully they'll end up having it in English subs as well. Yeah, I'd watch it. Um, The anime itself seemed really interesting. It's about a girl whose death gets bullied in like junior high, specifically by one character. And as he goes through junior high and they get to high school together, he kind of ends up getting bullied himself and he tries to make amends with this girl. And it's basically a story of him going through hardships with trying to earn her trust back and her friendship so that they can both grow as people. Yeah, it sounds like a very, it sounds like a very deep story. Yeah, emotional story. And like knowing Japanese anime, I know that it pull on a lot of people's strings. Right. It sounds awesome. And it's going to be done by Kyoto Animation. Mm-hmm. So that's the same company as that brought you K-On. 
kind of day-to-day stuff Mm -hmm. but they're good at bringing you in and bringing emotion and Mm -hmm. life into things yeah so i i have high expectations i do too and i want to say i remember reading um along with this article as well that they don't have a lot of anything that blind people can watch they're creating things where there's like a voice actor who kind of reads the scenes to people as it's going through yeah they describe action and they describe the scenery and they describe all this stuff which I think is awesome as well. Yeah. All right, so enough about anime for right now. Let's kind of get into some tech stuff. They go out to eco-friendly type environments and especially like the busyness of Japan. Yamaha Motor Company LCD unveiled two new concept models um, known as the 05 Gen and the 06 Gen. One's a three-wheel kind of like bike and one is a four-wheel kind of like boat. It's got like bench seats and like a nice little roof cover. And they're both not hybrid, but battery-powered type vehicles. Electric assist. So they're hybrids, basically. Basically. But the thing is, the three-wheel mobility vehicle, it's an electric assist bike with pedals. So I think, like, while it helps you go electric-wise, if you don't have the energy, you can pedal it where you need to go. Oh, that's neat. But, like, there's a seat, and there's, like, a little... Think of, like, a leaf. Giant leaves that they used to use, like, to wave Egyptian people down to keep them cool. I don't know what those leaves are called. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, giant, like, long, huge leaf. So, like, if you were to put that on the front of the bike and, like, how it, like, kind of, like, arc over your seat. Yeah. That's kind of how it's built. It's like a bubble. Yeah. But it's not a bubble. It's no, not no, so no. round. But, I mean. The leaf is, it's on the front part of the handlebar. So, it's like, you have a windshield that, like, overhangs your head. But it's really flexible. So, when you want to put it away and try to protect it from the weather, you can push it down and it attaches to the backside of the seat providing like an enclosure to keep everything at least semi-dry yeah it's actually really neat looking it's very futuristic and it looks like a sports bike almost but i don't see a lot of people actually using this like on a day-to-day basis you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it would be cool if they did but at the same time I, i don't know if it would actually take off as something that's usable yeah, so maybe it would be just kind of getting around town. Maybe it would be specifically for a golf course or getting around a park. Um, but the 06 Gen is a four-wheel mobility vehicle that's boat-like. And it has like a canopy for the roof. And it just kind of seems like a nice leisure way to drive around with people. Right. And I imagine if it's like boat-like and it has seats like that, it probably isn't allowed on the road per se. It's probably just like you were saying to get around a park and hang out with people. Yeah, because the seats are all around. They're, mm-hmm. it, it's like when you get on a ride and the seats are in a circle. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It looks kind of cool to ride on. It does. Like, I would I would use that because it seems like it would be fun. Um, the two concept models will be on display at the renewal opening of the Imabari Toya Ito Museum of Architecture in Omishima. That's a mouthful. I know that they're going to have both models up for viewing with specific like VIP tickets. That's cool. Yeah. They should allow people to take like little test drives on them. I think that would be really neat because then people would be able to see if it's something that's usable or not. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the motor industry theme that we're on right now. So we talked about Yamaha. Now let's talk about Honda. They had a commercial that featured cosplayers. And this was here in America. Yes, it was. The commercial's like, oh, ask me about my Honda. Mm-hmm. And it features one person. And, you know, this particular person is a cosplayer, but by day she's a professor or a teacher of some mm-hmm. kind. And it's kind of neat because the whole rest of the commercial focuses on how she can fit all of her cosplay props and stuff inside of the Mm -hmm. car. And she has other friends that come in and get in the car and whatever. But 
they don't make it seem like she's weird. They don't make it seem like the whole thing's a joke. They just, it's a very, it's a serious commercial. It's like, hey, yeah. this person has hobbies and this is what she can use the car for. Everyone's normal. Everyone needs space in different ways and this is how we can provide that. Right. Which it's is just, awesome. It's different to see and it's kind mm-hmm. of nice that cosplay is becoming so big that it's in a Honda commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not normal. You know what I mean? It's finally making its way everywhere instead right. of just being somewhere like in Japan. Although this commercial was only in Northern California, you can find it online. Yeah. So it's not like nobody's going to see it. It's like they're testing the waters to see how well it does. And yeah. then maybe they'll start using this commercial all over. And the person is a real cosplayer. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they just hired a bunch of actors or whatever to... To pretend to cosplay. To, yeah. To pretend to, yeah, exactly. This is an actual cosplayer, which I thought was awesome. Right. Me too. So hopefully we'll be able to see more cosplay stuff and we'll be able to actually report on more cosplay stuff because yeah. like we've said before, that's one of the hardest things to find info it really for. Is. <laughs> and one of the other things we can move on to our next topic actually because it's also hard to find coverage for eSports in real life. Now ESPN2 is going to be broadcasting the Street Fighter V tournament from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm, which it's, is awesome. It is. This is the first time that they'll be broadcasting Street Fighter V. Although, ESPN2 has aired Dota 2, League of Legends, and Heroes of the Storm before. Yeah, you actually see a lot of commercials for it on like YouTube and stuff. But that's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, this well, is... No, I mean, YouTube commercials saying like, hey, ESPN is going to be hosting these. I actually follow ESPN Esports on Twitter, and they always talk about, hey, hey, we're going to be streaming this on on this, and we're going to be doing this for this, which is really cool because it seems like it's starting to get really big. Well, this is nice because it's a it's a game, mm-hmm. or it's a fighting game, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's a little bit different it's than... It's console. You don't really see console. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a strategy game like League of Legends or mm-hmm. like Dota 2. Yeah. So it's going to be on July 17th on ESPN2. It's the World Championship matches of Capcom's Street Fighter V, awesome. which is the newest Street Fighter that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to air live, and it will be also streaming from Mandalay Bay, so that's kind of nice. That's really cool. So it if is. you guys want to go watch an awesome tournament and maybe gamble, go to Vegas. Right. <laughs> like, that, I, I would love to go watch this. I remember going to IEM and watching League. Yeah, at, that was um, fun. The SAP Center in San Jose. That, like, it's a whole entire different atmosphere than just watching it stream on YouTube or Twitch. When we were at FanimeCon in San Jose last year. Yeah, we saw the Street Fighter tournament. Like, they had the finals going on for the last day that we were there. And it was actually really entertaining to watch these things. And, like, I used to always see fighting games. And it always looked like it was just a one-sided raffle stomp. People were always just getting stuck in a corner and then just getting comboed to death. And it was either one person got their combo or the next person got theirs. There was a lot of back and forth in these newer ones where someone maybe did have a great combo, but at one point you get a counter and someone would win with a sliver of health. Yeah. And it was so intense and like everybody, like it started out as a small gathering because it was just getting started and all of a sudden, there was just everybody was there. Yeah. It was crazy. And so like being able to have the final somewhere in Vegas, which is really popular, has a crazy nightlife. I can only imagine how huge it's going to be. And I think it'll do better as far as ratings go Mm -hmm. on ESPN because it's easier for people to watch and understand what's happening. Yeah. Like, if you're watching Dota, you don't really... It's just like, okay, so this side is killing this side, but, like, what's... What are these things? What are they building? What, you know? Exactly. Whereas with this, it's just two people fighting each other. 
So this will be a good like gateway to mm-hmm. esports for a lot of people. Yes. Because they're not even for this tournament, they're not even going to broadcast the entire tournament, just some of the the more high big profile name games. Yeah. yeah, or matches I should say. That's awesome like the finals. So, which is still awesome. I really really hope people can jump on the hype train of esports. I mean, if we're getting to the point where it's being on TV now, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be that far away. What's your overall opinion of esports? So you've seen IEM, you went to the league streaming event in a stadium. You saw some of Street Fighter, I think it was four at the time, mm-hmm. at the FanimeCon last year. Well, I think it's very entertaining. It, it, I don't see it as being any less entertaining than any other sport or mm-hmm. a boxing match or whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might actually be better because you can see it bigger. Um, True. Because it's all on screens. It's You don't have to look at some tiny people way down in an arena. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, there are going to be people that are going to think that it's weird because you are just watching screens instead of actually seeing something physically happen. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's the way of the future. It's got, it's grown so much bigger in the last few years that it can only get more and more from that. There's college teams now. There's you know actually okay. well paid professional there people. There really are. And the fact that they're renting out these huge pla- Mandalay mm-hmm. Bay, it's you know, huge. they're they're holding it in Vegas. Like, yeah. That means something. It's not like it's just some small event center. And here's the thing about it too. So like football nowadays. Sometimes they try to have at least two to three games in London mm-hmm. to bring it across the world. Esports can travel anywhere, anytime, and you can always watch it from your home, no right. matter what. Something that I can't wait for, that I actually don't think is going to happen, moving no, on either. to our next topic, yeah, is... So, okay, this new thing was announced on Merchoid, which is a website, mm-hmm. and Kotaku. So... It's a board game. It's Monopoly. Everybody knows about Monopoly. And I love how... Monopoly, but no one ever wants to play. Well, because it takes forever. Well, actually, so I guess it would be kind of perfect because this would be a mashup between Monopoly and Final Fantasy VII. The thing is, though, it had a release date of April 2017 from mm-hmm. Merchoid. But when Kotaku reported it, they had to post an update saying that Merchoid reached out to them letting them know that the artwork for this item was not finalized and they're still waiting for Square Enix to approve it. Since then, the whole thing has been removed from the website. Yeah, Merchoid took it down. When I went to the Merchoid site to look for it, it said this page is currently unavailable. Yeah. So, like, I'm wondering if Square Enix got them in trouble or if they were like, crap, we don't have the legal backing for us to actually be doing this. Right. So they pulled it themselves. But if they can make this, this is probably the most familiar Final Fantasy game that I know. Now I'd love to see it turned into a Monopoly game. Me too. I, I like. I would. I would totally buy it. Mm-hmm. And then we. And then I would play Monopoly with you. Can you imagine being able to like take Cloud across the board? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they would make him as a piece. I think you that don't would think be so? no. Because if you look at Monopoly pieces, they're not that detailed. You know what I mean? Mm, I can still see maybe his sword then. Yeah, because they're they're usually items and not mm-hmm. characters. Maybe so, it'd be like all their weapons. I could see them making a Moogle, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, Moogle would be hilarious. Yeah. I guess, well, then the question would be, what would they put, like, the places? Like, yeah. what would be Park Place? What would be Boardwalk? And Yeah, see, I don't... Not? Well, if it's Final Fantasy, I mean, it would probably be, like, Midgar, you know? That's one of the main places. Or they could do the, um, the casino-looking place in there like and the stuff airship like that. would be in a place, but, like... Do they really have enough in Final Fantasy VII to cover the whole board and in properties? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 
Oh, what would they use for hotels and uh, houses? Potions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually. I mean, you they do. There are inns, but yeah. like the, it wouldn't. See, already we're running into issues okay, here. What about like chance and uh, what, what's the other one? There's chance, which is the orange. What's the other ones? Like the little cards you get when you land. Oh, on them. um, yeah. There's orange and yellow. But I wonder what those would be like. Would those be the little M, was it MP balls? No. Um, oh, the materia. Yeah, the materia. Would those be like materia for maybe. like the yellow ones and like the orange ones? Maybe could be... you would put materia on the properties instead of houses. Maybe that would make sense. Yeah. So then the properties would be items instead of actual properties. Oh, I think I we're know. getting somewhere here. Either way, <laughs> I would want this to be released because I think, for one, I would get to finally play Monopoly with people, but I think it'd be a really fun Monopoly. Yeah. Like, it was feasible for me. I would love to collect all the unique Monopolies that are out there because there's some really cool ones. This, I think Final Fantasy would be the first anime video game Japanese Monopoly, though. So... We took a little bit of time. And we did. We paused. We paused real quick because we wanted to see what other kind of monopolies are out there. We ended up finding one that is off of an anime. We found a Pokemon Monopoly. Technically, it's an anime and a video game. Very true. So when, Final when? Fantasy would not be the first. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> and looking at the picture for this board, it's intense. I, don't, I can't tell what the pieces are. Oh, there's actually, these pieces are real pieces. It's the starter Pokemon. There's Pikachu, Charmander, Squirtle... And a Bulbasaur. That's awesome. I can't tell what the what the little houses are. Well, it though. seems like there's different ones. There's uh, the non-pewter of generation for Pokemon, and then there's the pewter token one, and that has a, a Charmander, a Pikachu, a Meowth, a Psyduck, a Poliwhirl, and a Snorlax. That's cool. That's really cool. It is. They use Pokemon instead of dollars, and they have Professor Oak and Trainer Battle cards instead and of chance, chance and community, community chests. Chest. And all spaces contain the Pokemon and their respective numbers and act in the same way as the original game's title deeds. That and makes all sense. Venues. That's so cool. Because you're trying to collect you're, Pokemon. Yeah, oh man, I want this one now too. <laughs> the railroads are replaced by four different Pokeballs. If you catch all the Pokemon of a gym, i.e. own the lots of a colored group, you earn the badge for that gym. Oh, that's cool. You can improve cool. these by building Pokemons and Pokecenters, which place houses and hotels, respectively. Okay. This is See, so cool. They know what they were doing with Pokemon Monopoly. Oh, man. Pokemonopoly? Pokemonopoly. Pokemonopoly. Wasn't there... Oh, no, that's the Dark Souls 3 board game that I'm excited about. Ignore yeah. me. I thought there was another cool Monopoly that I remember being released that isn't being released, <laughs> but... Man, that'd be so cool. Anywho... Off of board games and into more life-size things. <laughs> so, there's we, we, we discussed Vocaloid, uh, what, two episodes ago? Yeah, I think so. So, there's going to be a new life-size Vocaloid, Yukari Yuzuki. She's a mascot from Vocaloid 3 software. But I'm not sure why they chose her, because she's know. not as popular as Hatsune Miku. Maybe because they're trying to help her gain popularity? Yeah, maybe. You know, to not necessarily match Hasane Miku, but at least try to get up there. This character uses light lavender colors, and she's loosely based on the legend of the moon rabbit. Her ultimate goal is to unite everyone with her voice. Maybe that's why they're doing it. It seems like our world's kind of in turmoil in the moment all over the place, and so they're like, maybe we can boost this character and try to bring nations together with Vocaloid. Maybe, but... That's a little far-fetched, especially because... <laughs> it's just me trying to make sense of it, not well, going to lie. No, I know, but I mean, because this, this figure, this life-size figure, she's not going to be in her traditional outfit. She's mm -mm. going to be wearing a maid outfit. So, yeah, you yeah. know... Well, not a maid outfit. She's theory. wearing an apron. Like Oh. But, uh, well, that's even weirder. Then. It is weird. And so <laughs> it's it's going to be 5'2", so it's your height. 
Oh, it is. Um, here's the crazy thing. So there's only going to be 10 available for purchase, mm -hmm. and it costs 1.2 million yen, which is about $12,000. That's a lot of money. It's, it's too much money. Well, I guess if you're like a collector of life-size figures, I mean, you can get the characters? Sanji carport. Yeah, like, you can charger. get the Sanji carport. <laughs> you can get the girl from Two Love Rue. Well, now now you can get Yukari also. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's just weird things that are out there. It's weird. Who's gonna spend twelve thousand dollars on just a life size figure? Ten people, I bet. Well, but... yeah, I I guarantee <laughs> there there will be at least all ten of them sold. So. I mean, you collect some figures. I mean, obviously nothing worth. 10, I don't have 000, any life size ones. No, but so we have some news for you guys. We do. At the time that this episode airs, mm -hmm. we will actually be in London. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna cross the pond. The pond. And we're gonna go to London, and we will actually be on our first day at Star Wars Celebration. Yes, we will. So we've we're, already we're done doing it again. Yeah, we've already done this um, episode number two, I think, or mm -hmm. three episode two or three. three or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. Mm -hmm. So we're going back, but this time it's in Star Wars Celebration London. Yep, and it's Woo! gonna be amazing. Hopefully, we will find lots of Japanese stuff to talk about at this convention, yes, like cosplays. Will. There's going to be some booths from All Nippon Airways. Yep. There's going to be a booth from the Japan Star Wars Modeling Alliance, which I don't know anything about, but nope. we will find out when we're there. Konami is going to be there. Konami is going to be there. I didn't see a listing for the Kotobukiya booth, so I don't know if they will be there, mm -hmm. but I hope they are. I mean, it's closer. I imagine they would show up. Yeah, and I mean, they sell a lot of Star Wars stuff mm -hmm. you know they had all the ice trays and the lightsaber chopsticks yeah. and stuff like that so i don't see why they wouldn't be there right but i don't know we'll, well see did you see if there's um I, I can't remember his name but the guy who does like the vegetable art oh no he is not going to be there his name was okitsuru kado mm-hmm uh, he's not going to be there this year. But I did see on his Facebook page that he's going to be in the one in Florida uh, next year. Florida 2017? Yeah. So not only are we going to go to Star Wars, we're going to check out Harry Potter. I know Japanese people love Harry Potter too. Well, also with the announcement of the School of Wizardry in Japan mm -hmm. um, in the Harry Potter universe, maybe we'll find out some more background info on the schools and we can report back on that. That'd be cool. Um, we're also going to try to see how much Japanese stuff we can find in London. We'll try to review a restaurant. We'll see if they have a version of Japantown. You know, all that kind of thing. Just how much Japanese influence there is in the UK. I want to say I remember reading about uh, Hakone Gardens out there. Or at least something similar to it. So we'll try to find one of those as well. Hopefully they'll just have a lot of cool things out there that is Japanese, that are Japanese. Because if we have so much here, hopefully they'll have more there. Being that it's really close by. I think we're closer, technically, if you go around... Maybe we can get some fresh sushi over in London. Yes. Something that I've be been missing a lot of. Part of our restaurant review. If it's the same kind of stuff, if their Ooh. styles are different over there or not, you know? Yeah. So I really look forward to that and potential other Japanese-y things. Yep. We'll report back on all of this stuff that we can find, though, in our next episode. So until then, you can find us at Super Segoy Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll post some videos too, actually. Yes, videos, pictures. Check out our page. We'll have lots of stuff up. Um, you can subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music. You can also send us a message at supersegoycast at gmail.com. Check for our shirts and other things on the notlg.spreadshirt.com website. We're also going to be bringing stickers with us yes. to the convention. So if you happen to 
get one, I guess. I don't know. I don't yeah, know how many UK listeners we have. But I don't know. It would be awesome if we did. Yeah. I check, mean, check maybe we'll get some. Yeah. We'll bring it We'll bring it around. We'll wear our t-shirts that we have <laughs> that are still in great shape, by the way. Yes. You also check out our network, Night of the Living Geeks, at notlg.com. And thanks again to Alex Barroza for our music. Check the link for more. Bye. Bye. <laughs>